Attorney General Josh Shapiro is no fan of the natural gas industry. In fact, he dislikes it so much that he refused to let the facts and reality get in the way of a narrative in a recent grand jury report. But I invited Dave Spiegelmeyer of the Marcellus Shale Coalition to help set the record straight on the Attorney General's hit job. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs, and I have another return guest uh, with me today, Dave Spiegelmeyer, who is president of the Marcella Shale Coalition. Uh, Dave, welcome back to Brews and Views. Good morning. Glad to be with you, Matt. Well, I'm glad you could join again. And uh, unfortunately, it's uh, in response to some uh, negative uh, press and negative uh, actions being taken by our Attorney General Josh Shapiro, and um, I, I want to get into some of this grand jury report uh, that was recently released um, and give a little bit of uh, background to that, and then uh, talk through some of the things that are being uh, charged here um, and uh, the responses that uh, you, as a representative of the industry, uh, have to them. Um, but we, I mean, we knew this was coming, right, Dave? I mean, Attorney General Josh Shapiro, when he ran for uh, the office the first time in 2016, essentially said, I'm going after the natural gas industry. So uh, we, it's no surprise that uh, he brought together a grand jury, uh, two-year investigation. I don't know how much taxpayer money was spent on that, uh, but recently released that report um, and apparently it was so lacking that, uh, that the Department of Environmental Protection issued its own detailed response, uh, taking Shapiro to task for failing to provide jurors with, quote, accurate information about existing laws, the scientific and policy underpinnings of the regulations, and also the commitment of DEP staff to create and implement a comprehensive and effective regulatory program that protects the citizens and environmental resources. Uh, their, their response went on to say that the report is critical of today's DEP regulatory program while demonstrating little knowledge and understanding of it, uh, end quote. Uh, Dave, that, that's pretty damning response from Governor Wolf's own Department of Environmental Protection, is it not? Yeah, not only that, Matt, they actually come back and just said it was factually and legally incorrect and did a disservice to the citizens of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You know, I'm going to come back to the point that you made at the start here, Matt, talking about this grand jury report. Let's make no mistake. This is this is the attorney general's report. Uh, he wrote it from um, his perceptions of the grand jury investigation. It's full of innuendo and misrepresentation. It totally overlooks Pennsylvania's modernize an existing statutory framework and regulatory framework for development here in the Commonwealth. You know, one thing I find really concerning, Matt, is, it, and I hope you do as well, that an officer of this Commonwealth, the one that's to, to uphold the laws of our Commonwealth, went to the public to share a narrative that he knew was factually incorrect before his press conference. Factually incorrect because the agency that administers the rules told him as much in a brief a month before that. Yet mm. he went to the public to mislead and to 
than to drive a political narrative that was far from the truth. And one thing that's real clear to me that he lacks the basic knowledge of the subject for which he was speaking. I don't believe he's ever been on a well location. I don't believe he's paid much attention to the to the rules that have been modernized over the last 12 years. Um, and if he and if he had, I think the rocks that he pulled out of his rock bag would have been kept in his rock bag. Um, the AG uses the term evidence very loosely. He relies on stories and, and lacks claims, you know, that, that have any proof to them um, or corroboration. So, um, you know, his, his statements were legally inaccurate. They're alarming at its best. And I think it's a failure to his duty to the citizens of the Commonwealth that it's worst. I mean, to basically take a narrative that he knew was factually incorrect to the citizens of the you know, citizens of Pennsylvania, I think is unfair. And I think it's just, you know, uh, it's a disservice to, to the citizens of the Commonwealth. Well, I think it's uh, quite telling um, and, well, unfortunate that you have both the regulators and the regulated uh, pushing back against this report and doing so uh, quite uh, adamantly. Uh, I mean, there's no mincing of words from our own Department of Environmental Protection and saying that this is erroneous uh, and factually inaccurate. Um, and, and it seems to be really a kind of a relitigation of things uh, from over a decade ago in some cases, and really not looking at things going forward as to uh, how we can make sure, which I know it's of interest to your, uh, the members of, of the MSC, of how we do this to protect the environment, protect people, um, but really didn't give any credit for uh, the success that you've had in Pennsylvania of really leading the nation in a lot of the regulatory reforms, correct? Yeah, let's talk about that a bit, Matt, because I think that's important to the people that are that may be listening to your podcast here. And that is, you know, over the past 12 years, there have been several uh, modernizations made on on the, the law front. Act 13 of 2012 um, increased, you know, a number of, of items in terms of enhancements to strengthen Pennsylvania's environmental standards, things like setbacks. We have the you know, some of the strongest setbacks in the land. We, back in 2012, we mandated operators to fully disclose the chemicals used in well development. Um, you know, we, we guarantee health providers have access to the chemical data as well. We expanded uh, notification of permit applications. So all all landowners would get that information before we ever step foot on property. We increased the, what they call the rebuttable presumption, meaning uh, when you plan to drill up, op- you know, drilling operations on a person's property. We have a rebuttable presumption that we have affected that water. If in fact, water has been changed in any fashion from a quality standpoint or quantity standpoint. So prior to drilling a half a mile out from a well location, again, prior to drilling, you know, operators go out and have third party independent laboratories test that water. Um, that analysis is provided both the DEP and to the um, to the landowner. And then once the, the well is completed, that water's tested again. The one thing that I would point back at, you know, the attorney general is he was a member of the legislature for a number of years. The industry went to the legislature on a number of cases and said, we're one of two states in the country that don't have water well construction standards. I mean, when you build a water well, there's no process for uh, making sure certain standards are met. And as a result, 
pre-testing, meaning before drilling ever occurs, one in four water wells in many locations of the state don't pass public drinking water standard. We all think we have great water in Pennsylvania, but not necessarily the case in a number of water wells that exist, especially in rural parts of the Commonwealth and in areas where there's coal. Um, you know, you know, again, I mentioned earlier, we had a series of statutory changes. Act 13 in 2012, it's known as the impact fee legislation that's raised nearly $2 billion since 2012, but it heightened 40 environmental different standards of the Commonwealth. We passed Act 127 in 2011. That empowered the Public Utility Commission to act as an agent to oversee and enforce the federal pipeline safety laws. So the Attorney General went on and on and on about the fact that pipelines aren't regulated. Just not correct. And he knew he knew it was correct, incorrect before he took it to the to the public. Act 9 of 2012 was the emergency response program that was put in place um, in Pennsylvania, basically having parameters for emergency response uh, that operators must follow in advance. And Matt, we can go on. I can share with you regulatory changes that have been made year after year since about 2008. This industry kicked off in Pennsylvania with real permit requests in 2008. But we, we started in 08 with made major changes. And I'll be honest with you, we put the coalition together. We had a trade association in Pennsylvania that was representing um, natural gas development. But the unconventional side, meaning the horizontal development side of the business, we knew up front that we were going to have to have a special regulatory program to be able to, to to press compliance across Pennsylvania. And the MSC was established because of that. And we've worked hard through the MSC to modernize and uh, develop you know, some of the most robust rules that exist in the country here in Pennsylvania, as evidenced by this independent group that exists in the United States of environmental regulators called Stronger. They've come in and looked at Pennsylvania's program. They've said that the program meets its program objectives and is well-managed. So the marks that DEP got for their oil and gas program was very, very strong. And I would, I would also add that, you know, last year we drilled 677 wells in Pennsylvania in 2019. We had over 19,000 inspections. There's not an industry in the Commonwealth that's under that kind of environmental scrutiny. And for the lead enforcement officer or lead legal officer of the state to come out and say that the industry is operating without rules, it's just nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Well, it seemed that this was a um, a report in search of a problem, uh, one that he, uh, you know, campaigned on and and had to deliver. Uh, and before we get to uh, sort of the responses that you're getting from the General Assembly, because I know your seven page letter uh, that outlined a lot of the things that we're talking about here, which would be, a, uh, I assume it's available on online. Uh, folks can read it online. Yeah, I believe we have that out in public public view, sir. MarcellusCoalition.org. Yes. Yeah, so so MarcellusCoalition.org, you can read this. Uh, Dave, a couple of things that, that were just amazing um, statements of fact that the attorney general made. I mean, things like operators use explosives to fracture shale. Uh, I mean, why would he put, I mean, maybe this is because he's never seen an operation, um, but it seems like that's just to sensationalize uh, some of this. It's just flat out false. There's not, there are not explosives used on a well location in any location of the Commonwealth I mean, just, it, it, and, and anywhere in the, anywhere in the country, actually. So I would just say, Matt, the narrative that was driven in his 45 minute press conference is pretty much taken out of the playbook of those that would like to eliminate fossil fuel development. That's the concerning part. I mean, we've gone from yeah. 
it's over 60% dependence on foreign oil to today being, you know, an energy uh, and much more, I won't say energy independent because we're not quite there yet, but we are a far more energy secure nation. We no longer have to throw men and women in uniform into harm's way to protect the free flow supply of oil coming into our country because we're producing much of it here. And the same with natural gas. We've got we've got a world-class multi-generational supply of natural gas. And when folks say, well, do we really need that? Well, Think about the fact that natural gas is used in just about every manufacturing process that's known to mankind. Steel, glass, plastics, chemicals, fertilizers, powdered metals, pharmaceutical medications. Today, one in three electrons. And for those that, that embrace moving more towards renewables, I would say that with it, natural gas is not a competitor, but a great partner for renewables in that Renewables are intermittent sources of power, and we need the ability to be able to have baseload power supply. So when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining, you can rely upon natural gas to always be there to make sure that we've got uh, that we've got electricity supply 24-7, 365, and not just when the wind's blowing and the sunshine. Well, you know, one of the things that you, you stated that it, this seems to be an effort to end our any dependence or utilization of fossil fuels. And and I, I know that uh, the attorney general would say, no, no, we're not opposed to fracking. But then they ultimately uh, say, well, we need to expand no drill zones from 500 feet, which I think was uh, um, the, the furthest uh, at the time that that was implemented in Pennsylvania. And they wanted at 2,500 feet. So they say, well, we're not a, we're, we're not for a fracking ban, but is that not effectively a fracking ban? If you go to 2,500 feet, that meaning you can't drill basically where any activity is happening. Yeah. You would, you would hope your chief law enforcement offer would be out there trying to protect people's individual property rights. But here again, nothing's further from the truth. You put a 2,500 foot setback, a half a mile setback from whatever he would qualify as that setback to be required from, whether it be a property, you know, an individual property owner boundary or whatever, uh, you know, it would in essence shut down most of what's taken place in Pennsylvania if that were, if that were the case. And, and the bad part of that is, is that if you own your minerals, the you no longer would have the ability to be able to receive the financial benefit of having those minerals, you know, you know, owned, owned by you. So, um, that's something we're going to push back on. And the 500 foot setback that exists in Pennsylvania, as you uh, stated, was the strongest in the land. I think Colorado went a little stronger than that. And Colorado's actually seen much deeper dive in terms of development than Pennsylvania has because of it. So, um, you know, we, we believe that the, the 500 foot setback that exists in Pennsylvania has protected the public in every single uh, drilling operation that's occurred here in the Commonwealth and claims made to, to the contrary, just factually inaccurate. Now, one of the recommendations that he made, and you mentioned this earlier on in our conversation, uh, that uh, Shapiro uh, said we need to require disclosure of all chemicals that are used in drilling and hydraulic fracturing. Is this just a, um, uh, someone who doesn't understand what is already required on the industry? Yeah, Matt, and that's an issue that we took to the legislature back in 2011. It actually became the law of the land in 2012. Again, when DEP made the statement a month before his press conference that his comments were factually inaccurate in the report, you would think he would have corrected that. Yet he, he spent a fair amount of time 
talking about disclosure of chemicals. And in, in Act 13, it passed in February of 2012, there was a requirement that operators not only have material safety data sheets for every chemical that's transported, but the chemicals used, um, and there are a very small number of them, household type of chemicals that are used that, that disclosure is required on frackfocus.org. So every operator using chemicals on every individual site in Pennsylvania since 2012 has been forced by law to disclose chemicals used on that site. I mean, again, to try and drive something different than that is a narrative of, you know, trying to eliminate fossil fuel use and not, not reflective of the strong regulatory framework and legislative framework or legal framework for the development of natural gas in Pennsylvania. Well, uh, one of those other narratives that he seemed to be insinuating, uh, if not just outright saying, is that there seemed to be a cozy relationship between uh, the regulators, DEP employees, and uh, those in the gas industry, because he said, well, we need to limit the ability for DEP employees to go into the private sector uh, immediately after leaving uh, the department. Um, what, what's, uh, the, what's the attorney general suggesting here is that, that you guys are getting a pass uh, from DEP because these people want jobs from you later on? I think it's, first of all, I think it's highly offensive for, I mean, and I'm not a DEP employee, but I would think it's highly offensive for someone that spent their whole career overseeing the environmental statutes and the environmental regulatory framework of Pennsylvania to accuse them of not being true to the mission of which they're, they're tasked, and that is to protect Pennsylvania's environment. You know, being one of those guys that was an early player in this shale development in Pennsylvania and working for one of our companies. I actually hired several of the DEP staff. Why? Because I wanted to make sure, and I know that this is shared broadly by those that may have looked at DEP employees that, that were looking to leave the agency. We wanted to make sure we were complying with the rules of the Commonwealth to make sure that someone that, that was working for a company that may not have been familiar um, would have a miss. We wanted to make sure we were highly compliant. So yeah, there are there are employees that have left the agency that have come to work in our industry, but to accuse them of being too cozy with the industry is just a uh, a, a, a factual misstatement again, Matt. And, and it's a and it's a, a bit of a uh, offensive remark for those that have worked in the environmental sector their whole life. I don't. No one ever. No one ever questions the fact when someone leaves a. Uh, non-governmental organization and goes to work for the Commonwealth. No one seems to ever question that. But when someone leaves the Commonwealth to go work for industry, the attorney general, the, the highest law enforcement officer of the land brings that up. I mean, we have some of the strongest ethics laws in the country being administered by our Department of State. Uh, I think the attorney general knows that. And uh, he was trying to use his press conference as a means of of stirring the pot a bit, I think when he knows that yeah, the DEP employees are very dedicated to their mission of protecting the environment, I think that one claim made that these big, quote, big out-of-state companies, end quote, what this uh, attorney general doesn't realize is these companies are led by Pennsylvanians. Early on, there may have been a fair amount of folks from the oil patch here trying to teach folks the unconventional side of our business, but today... The, the companies that I represent at the MSC are led by Pennsylvanians. We like to hike and bike and hunt and fish and camp and do all the things that every, every Pennsylvanian likes to do. Uh, 
Uh, we want to make sure that we have a strong legacy and we're working to protect the environment every day, every minute we go to work. So um, the claims being made by the attorney general, I think, are just far out of the left field, show a total dis disservice to the to the people working at DEP, folks that work inside our companies that I think we're very much focused on high, com high levels of compliance. And I think I mentioned before, there's no industry in the Commonwealth under the kind of scrutiny, environmental scrutiny that this industry is under. So, Dave, what has the response been from uh, your response to the attorney general and even um, the, the response from uh, Governor Wolf's own Department of Environmental Protection? Has the attorney general revised these things when uh, factual inaccuracies have been pointed out? Or is he just uh, trudging forward and, and ignoring um, these, uh, uh, well, revelations that uh, he has done a really poor job here? You know, Matt, that's a he's not taking one step backwards on the factual or the lack of factual accuracy in his report. Not one step backwards. He hasn't come back and said, yeah, but I mean, but he has continued to to drive a narrative again that's being driven by those who would like to stop fossil fuel development. He he seems to be rallying around the issue of public health. I mean, I think you know that the MSC, with this case in Western Pennsylvania around the Kenna McMillan School District, where you know the Pittsburgh Post Gazette has said there is a cancer cluster, there have been officials from UPMC, from the Mayo Clinic, that say, well, not quite. We've not really seen a cluster, but MSC and the Marcel Shale Coalition has encouraged the Department of Health to look at all factors that could be in play there around the Canna McMillan School District. Certainly there have been more cases of Ewing sarcoma. That's a form of childhood cancer that um, that is being being cited here. I think there are you know several cases in that school district and and we've encouraged study there. Again, I know there's a uranium site close by there. There are a lot of different factors and to single out the gas industry when in fact our operations are, in most cases, miles and miles away from the school itself and from most of the activity there. We, we believe strongly that natural gas has been a major contributor to improved health in Pennsylvania. And why would I say that? Because today we're now producing one in three electrons uh, power generation that has led to reductions in nitrogen oxide, sulfur dioxide, vol volatile organic compounds, green other greenhouse gas emissions, including carbon dioxide. No, no advanced country in the world other than the United States is driving down carbon dioxide emissions like the United States is. And how are we doing it? We're doing it because we're burning far more natural gas and power generation. You don't hear that narrative very often, and you certainly haven't heard the attorney general make that those claims, because frankly, those are claims that improve public health, not erode public health. So you're, you sent your letter to the General Assembly. Um, do you think that uh, any action is going to be taken here? What, what do you see uh, moving forward in response to the grand jury report? Or is this just, you know, a, um, a part of a political play here as the attorney general runs for reelection and is already saying that He's running for governor in two years. Um, is that all this is? Or, or do you think that there's going to be action uh, in the legislature to do anything with this report? 
Matt, you know, the attorney general seems to be put off by the claims made at times over his political ambitions. But when the DEP, the agency responsible for carrying out the rules of our Commonwealth from an environmental standpoint, makes a claim, you know, at least a month before he did his press conference on the factual inaccuracy, the fact that the top law enforcement officer of our Commonwealth didn't go back and fact check his own remarks tells me it's a political narrative that he felt imperative that he drives, one that aligns him very closely with the anti-fracking movement that's underway. I mean, part of the presidential debate has certainly been about hydraulic fracturing. Again, you know, again, a decade ago, we were 62% dependent on foreign sources of oil, and today we're darn near independent as a nation. You know, No one ever thought it possible that yeah. we could get where we are today from from an energy standpoint, yet it's totally dismissed. And I, I believe the attorney general is trying to drive a political narrative. What happens going forward? One, I think the general assembly will continue to conduct hearings and to make sure, I mean, let's face it, they were indicted here as well. And that's probably a strong term to use, but to state that we don't have a proper framework for development when, you know, you know there have been changes made repeatedly. When I shared earlier, Act 127 was in 2011, Act 13 was 2012, Act 9 was 2012. Let me just do a quick rundown. In 2008, we made major changes in erosion and sedimentation controls. We increased permit fees in 2009 um, and again in 2014 so that the Department of Environmental Protection would have adequate resources to run their agency. A permit went from $100 a permit to now $5,000 a permit so they could add staff. And they went from 60 compliance and inspection staff to, to, to 190. In 2010, um, we put new, new source performance standards in place for erosion sedimentation controls. 2010, wastewater treatment and discharge standards for total dissolved solids was promulgated. Um, the one that he went on and on about is the air rules. And in fact, in 2013, uh, and then again in 2019, we revised the air quality permits under what they call GP5 and 5A, both for gas transmission and then for production sites to make sure every molecule of natural gas is captured or methane captured uh, and, and goes to the consumer and to the sales meter rather than to the atmosphere. So we've worked hard to, to modernize framework for development, to make sure we have some of the strongest rules in the country. And it's a shame that the attorney general didn't recognize uh, the modernizations that have been made. If he would have come to the public and said, boy, we may need to look at this a little more. We've made some strides here. We've made some strides there. We have a strong program. We could make it stronger here. We would be all ears and be willing to be a partner in that effort because we've worked to try and do the same. But to come out and totally, um, totally offend the, the men and women who work for the Department of Environmental Protection, to state that the industry doesn't care about the environment for which we all live. Nothing could be further from the truth in both regards, and I think is offensive. Well, folks, I encourage you to go to marcelluscoalition.org. You can read the letter there with uh, the facts uh, in response to Attorney General Josh Shapiro's missive here, um, and he missed the mark, unfortunately. Uh, Dave Spiegelmeyer, president of the Marcellus Shale Coalition. Dave, thanks so much for coming on Brews and Views to talk about this um, and keep up the great work of what you guys are doing to provide us 
uh, low-cost energy and lots of jobs across Pennsylvania. And I hope that uh, these kinds of attacks are are rebuffed and that uh, we continue to uh, develop that energy independence as well as uh, the opportunities that just uh, are so expansive from our natural gas development. So thanks so much for what you do and for joining me here today. Thanks very much, Matt. Really appreciate the time with you. Appreciate the opportunity. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. 